Hey everyone, welcome to the Happy Flosser podcast. My name is Billy Lunt. I am your host, and I am here to talk to you about all things dental hygiene to support you on your journey through the dental hygiene program. Welcome, so glad to have you. Now more than ever before, it is evident that the dental clinician be an expert in the area of infection control. And this is within the dental operatory as well as around all aspects of the office as it relates to patient care. The dental hygienist has a professional responsibility to serve all patients, even patients that have a known communicable disease. There is an obligation to provide care and protection from exposing our patients and ourselves to infectious agents. The term universal or standard precautions allows the dental hygienist to treat all patients as if they were infectious, and this provides the safest standards to protect all members of the dental team as well as the patients. This episode will review some of these PPE procedures. Consistency is the key between all members of the dental team to ensure that cross-contamination is avoided. All members of the dental team should have a system in place that ensures exposure control is maintained, both in the operatory as well as all the other areas of the dental office, and all members of the team should have a proficient understanding and knowledge of how this is done, what these processes look like, and how they are implemented in the office. Clinicians should also have an understanding of the products that are used, as well as the proper usages of these products and the manufacturer's recommendations. In some areas of the operatory, there may be a need for physical barriers, and physical barriers are used in areas that are considered high contamination areas. These barriers provide additional safety methods for both the dental provider as well as the patients. Having an organized system within your office goes a long way in creating a clear, well-understood process for the specific setting that serves as a guide for the team and also new staff that come into the team to ensure that the integrity of the infection control process within your clinical setting is maintained. Let's talk about PPE, personal protective equipment, starting with the uniform. Now the uniforms that you purchased before entering the program and clinical dress, they're designed around the idea that additional protective equipment will be necessary in order to protect you, the clinician, from things like splatter, aerosols, and spills, and contact with patients. One standard rule is that the clinical dress and shoes should not be worn outside of the clinical setting. This helps to avoid cross-contamination of communicable diseases. Clinic dress should be cared for in a way that protects the dental provider from being exposed to infectious materials. Now, on top of your uniform or clinic dress, protective clothing can be worn over your uniform. 
and this helps add a layer of protection and reduce the likelihood of cross-contamination. Protective clothing can include a gown or a jacket and should have some basic characteristics in order to provide effective protection. The gown should be closed at the neck and fastened in the back. It can be either disposable or reusable and have long enough sleeves to cover and have a cuff at the wrist. You also want to have it be long enough so that in a seated position, it covers the knees. The sleeves should have the ability for the glove to go over the cuff. If the gown's not disposable, it should be able to be cleaned using bleach and be fluid resistant. Now, your hair needs to have control. It should be pulled back from your face and neck and a hair covering should be worn. The rules of PPE state that hair coverings should be used when you have AGPs, aerosol generating procedures. Sometimes a clinical uniform will include a jacket that comes on and off when you leave the operatory. And in addition to that clinic jacket, you can have a disposable gown that is worn over that clinic jacket. A clinical jacket that's part of your uniform still needs to have um, cuffs on the sleeves and also should come up to the neck area. When you wear a disposable gown, it typically has a design where it's long enough to go down to the knees in a seated position and fastens in the back for complete protection of the underlying uniform. The next component of PPE I'd like to discuss is the face mask. And this one has been highlighted and spotlighted as of late for its ability to protect both patients as well as the clinicians when properly used. It's important to consider adequate features of a mask in reaching the goal of protection for all members of the dental team and patients. One of the first things you do when you enter school is you get fit for an N95 mask. Proper fit ensures that you are properly protected from droplet nuclei that come from aerosols. Aerosols are created in many procedures that are performed in dentistry. Use of a handpiece, prophy angles for polishing, ultrasonic scalers, and use of airflow are all examples of AGPs, also known as aerosol generating procedures. Airborne droplets can really penetrate an ill-fitting mask and reach the alveoli of the lower respiratory tract. This increases the risk of infection for the clinician. There are standards that are followed for proper efficiency of masks, and they are ranked for use in the dental office setting. And masks are given ratings based on their bacterial filtration efficiency, their BFE. This essentially measures the level of protection that is provided by the mask at resisting the penetration of bacteria. Now in the clinical setting, when there are no AGPs occurring, one can use a surgical mask that has a BFE greater than 95% and know that they are protected. But this changes when you introduce AGPs. Now there's a few simple housekeeping rules around the use of masks for adequate protection. 
you want to be sure that you use a new mask for each patient and change the mask if it becomes wet. A wet mask has a reduction of the filtration integrity and can lose its ability to help protect you. Continue to wear your mask even if you have completed your AGPs because particles can remain in the air for an extended period of time after the procedures. You want to be mindful of the air quality of the room that you are working in and wear your mask according to that information. You also want to be sure that your mask is comfortable and fits well over your nose and mouth. Once you have your mask on and it's fitting well and feels comfortable and it's been adjusted properly, your next step is your protective eyewear. Now, eyewear is used to protect the eyes from physical injury and disease transmission. Keep in mind that most things that can injure the eye cannot be seen. The eye can become contaminated by any kind of microorganism within the operatory, things that could be contained in spatter or aerosols. Both patients and clinicians should wear protective eyewear for all clinical procedures. Now there are many styles to protective eyewear and the general rules are that they provide adequate eye coverage with side shields, that they're lightweight and made of a material that can be disinfected, but is also comfortable to wear. Gloves is the final component of PPE that we'll talk about in this episode. The use of gloves has been a standard practice for over 30 years in providing protection against cross-contamination for both patients and clinicians. And much like the criteria for the masks, gloves should fit well and be comfortable to wear. You want to select a fit that doesn't limit your hand or finger motion and has no pull in the area between the thumb and index finger. You also want to make sure that there's no restriction across the palm of your hand. Now, for patient care, a single-use, non-sterile exam glove is the standard of care. Utility gloves are used when you're handling instruments in the operatory as well as the sterilization center. And plastic food handling gloves are commonly used to reduce the risk of cross-contamination when you're performing documentation procedures. So some general rules about gloves is that you wanna be sure to replace your gloves as often as necessary and certainly have new gloves for each patient. Much like the mask, there is a time limit and the integrity of the gloves begins right after you put one on. The general rule is not to exceed an hour and proper hand washing should be performed between each change of gloves. You wanna be aware that gloves are the most frequent Uh, PPE that can be found as latex. And although most uh, offices do not use latex, you want to be mindful that there is that possibilities. And latex allergies do happen due to the protein allergens and the additives that are used when the commercial latex is prepared for use. So many offices use alternative um, vinyl or nitrile to remain a latex-free environment. So a couple of tips from people who have worn gloves. New boxes of gloves come very tightly configured, and so you want to use care when you are removing the first eight or ten pairs until the pressure is released. 
because it, you may rip or break one. And if the glove is too small, it can cause muscle fatigue in your hands. If the glove is too large, the excess material on the fingertips can get caught and reduce dexterity. Long fingernails and jewelry are challenges that increase the risk of tears and punctures in the gloves, and it can increase the risk of cross-contamination as well, even with proper hand washing. So if we're looking at the mask as the first step in the process, the assumption is that you've already come into the operatory, you've washed your hands, you've done your pre-wash, you've, you've got your hair covering on, and you've already donned your gown. So this well-fitted mask is the first step in your process. You'll put your mask on and be sure that it's on properly with a good seal. You'll place your protective eyewear on and be sure that they're well-adjusted and seated correctly. And then you're going to proceed with your hand washing. You want to be sure that you do all of this in the right order and in front of your patient so that they are sure that your PPE is new. And when you put on the gloves, be sure that the gloves are put on over the cuff of your gown in order to protect your arms from exposure. Once you have the gloves on, be sure not to touch any part of your body, your face, or your hair, or the computer without using those food grade over gloves or a sandwich baggie. You will learn the proper process to remove your gloves in order to avoid cross-contamination in your preclinical rotation. After you do remove the gloves, you will immediately wash your hands, even if no contamination has occurred, and this is a standard precaution. Removing your mask has a few simple rules as well. You want to use a barrier and grasp the elastic or the string on the side of the mask. You want to avoid touching the outside of a contaminated mask with bare or even gloved hands. Never place your mask under your chin. And you want to pull the mask off carefully to avoid cross-contamination and then discard your mask. I just want to add one more additional piece of PPE that's always been available but recently added as the standard of care in the dental setting and that is the face shield. A face shield should be worn over the current PPE, N95, eyewear, and hair covering due to the AGPs that occur in a dental office. In addition to that, let's talk about when you're working with your patients. So when you're working with your patients in the clinical setting, it provides you with the perfect opportunity to educate your patients on the precautions that we take as clinicians as well as why we take them. Your patient will be provided with protective eyewear and use hand sanitizer themselves prior to any treatment. In today's world, many of your patients may even come in wearing a mask. It's a helpful habit to teach our patients about the importance of PPE and good hand hygiene, in addition to all the other education that we provide them as part of our appointment. Providing this information is a very basic way to ensure that your patients have an understanding that safety measures are being implemented, and it may help them see the benefit of their own world of practicing infection-controlling behaviors. 
Thank you so much for listening to my podcast today. In the next episode, we are going to be learning about eruption dates. Learning the eruption sequence of the deciduous and permanent dentition can be a daunting task. The episode will walk you through the process of the eruption sequence and share some of the connections that exist that are designed to help you make sense of the process and correlate the numbers to make it easy for you to learn. I hope you join me. I would invite you to ask any questions at all that you need answered. Sometimes questions come up when you're listening to this podcast. If you have a question, most likely someone else has the very same question. I'd be happy to answer it and would probably share it in a future podcast.